Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to the 2023 season of Kansas State football. Believe in K-State. Back with my good friend, Joe Matthew. We're going to preview the Kansas State schedule this today. We're going to talk a little bit about my visit with Kansas State during camp, how they're doing, talk about the depth chart, and then we're going to get into a little bit of their upcoming game this week against SEMO. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing good. I'm pumped for the season. I'm ready. Hey, Joe, I'm more fired up than I could ever be. You know, coming off a Big 12 championship, I know you and I were excited to uh, for the Wildcats to achieve that. We had high hopes last year. Uh, I think we both thought they had a chance to get there, but things needed to fall right. But that was a great season last year, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it couldn't get any better than that, winning the Big 12. And I think we both uh, were optimistic at the beginning of last year. I think I predicted their record spot on, and you were maybe one game off, if I remember. But we, we both yeah. had them doing pretty well uh, yeah, we were from the beginning the of the season. So And it played out that way, so that was good. Well, we'll definitely, we definitely were in the ballpark. So let's talk a little bit about the newly released depth chart that just came out, a couple things that stood out to me. Um, number one was at the quarterback position, and not that was who was on the top line. It was just that little bit of ore that was uh, that 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 had Avery Johnson and then uh, and our other young man, uh, forget his name, I'm looking at it Jake right Rubley. Jake Rubley. And that's, I, it's funny you mentioned that because that's what stuck out to me as first, too, when I first looked at it, <laughs> that little yeah. or. Yeah, so what it's, <laughs> what it's saying to me is that, I mean, I think going into camp, we always expecting Ruby to be the number two, Avery to be the comfortably number three, maybe get him in some action in four games, but really set him up for a redshirt year. I don't know if that's going to be the case so far this year. I don't know either because I was telling you earlier, I listened to Chris Climate today, and he doesn't know who the backup quarterback is going to be yet. And either it's Colin Klein. He said they're going to kind of let it play out maybe on the field or maybe, you know, through the first practices of the, you know, the first month of the season. He did right. mention Jake Rupley was out for a handful of practices. Uh, and was. that's maybe allowed Avery to – kind of get on the even keel with him a little bit. But, yeah, I think that I've heard good things about Avery Johnson, and I'm sure you have too, uh, about how he's performing so far. And it helped to get him in in the spring, kind of learn the playbook and get comfortable with everything. So it's exciting to have a true freshman that's already your backup quarterback, or at least in contention to be that backup okay. quarterback. Yeah, I, I think selfishly, no, he's extremely dynamic. I had the opportunity to watch him, to watch him on the field, watch him live. And you can see he's put on some weight too, Joe. It's visibly, 
you can see from when he came in in the spring to where he's at right now, you can see that he put on some muscle uh, and, it, and it's starting to fill out a little bit, even as a true freshman. But I, I would be, uh, I, I still think it needs to be a situation where Rubley can't go. If, if, if Howard has a problem, let's say he has a helmet issue, right? Right. He, and they need to fix his helmet. They need to go in for one play. I think you go with Rubley for that play. Oh, yeah. Now, now, sure. now, now, if there's a situation where we're in a more serious injury situation and it looks like it's going to be a little bit more longer term, then you got to really ask yourself who who's going to who's going to make this run to give us the best opportunity to win because now we're not looking at a short-term situation. Right. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And it also, you know, <laughs> if you need someone to come in and pass the ball versus if you need someone to come in and run the ball, it may be a difference that way too depending on which backup quarterback you decide to go with. Yeah. The other thing I found interesting to change gears a little bit is Ben Sennett at the fullback, not at a tight end position. So I, I thought that was creative by Kansas State of listing him as a fullback versus as a tight end on the depth chart. As we all know, he plays the tight end position. Right. Uh, he does go and they run that H-back situation. But I don't know strategically what was the reasoning behind that yeah i had a question about that too and i do not know <laughs> so yeah. that's interesting that you noticed that as well yeah my thing is maybe they want to get them uh all conference big uh big 12 as a fullback who knows i mean that's just the um uh, just a little conspiracy theory thought process so mm -hmm. to speak but it, I, I don't really get that or I think it's a situation with the tight ends and you want to keep a lot of these guys happy. The more you can put on the top line of a depth chart uh, makes it feel good for a player. Yeah. So I think a couple of those other tight ends, it gave them an opportunity to get on the depth chart because in theory, K-State doesn't have a fullback. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't see him handing the ball off to Senate, but I could be wrong. Who knows? Who knows? He could he could line up there in the goal line situation. Yeah, and definitely. a heavy package and block. I could see that, but I, I I see I don't see any snaps being run out of the fullback position in a regular in a regular role. But that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, was there anything on the offensive line that surprised you? I don't think so. Everything was pretty much chalk. Yeah, not really. You know, Christian Duffy is injured currently, yep. but I think he'll be back within the game or two. Kleiman wasn't sure. Uh, yeah, offensive line looked fine to me. I did notice also on the running back position, I wasn't surprised about this, but Trayshawn Ward, with, that was another or with DJ Giddens or Trayshawn Ward. So yep. um, that didn't necessarily surprise me. I think they're – They'll each get, you know, about the same number of carries, I think, in, in the first game for sure, if not, you know, in the next couple of games. Or maybe they decide on who's going to get the majority of the carries there. And it depends on how successful each one is, too, on 
how they're how they're running the ball. So well, I think Brian Anderson has a great problem to have. Uh, B.A., who's the running back coach for Kansas State, and he's the one that's going to be making that decision at running back. I was a little bit surprised that Giddings had the top line and then Ward was the or on the second. Mm-hmm. But don't be surprised if you see the other way around when they run out on the field on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised to see Tayshawn Ward be the first guy out on the field All and right. then Giddings to be the next. But I do think – they're both, uh, and having the opportunity of speaking to both of those young men, they're both comfortable with their role. They know that they both know that there are going to be many opportunities for them to run the ball and to be fresh to be able to run the ball. So I think it's a very unique dynamic situation for K State. And don't think and don't be surprised if you see Frias and then you see Jackson, the freshman. I'm telling you, yeah. the freshman Jackson will see some reps, and he's probably going to be very hard to redshirt this year because he's dynamic as well, Joe. Don't be surprised you see him run the ball. So you may see up to four guys um, potentially run the ball on Saturday. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. I'm looking forward to watching that. Yeah, so that should be very dynamic. Uh, just to round out the offense, I think the receivers – Pretty much we knew it was going to be um, Johnson, Brooks, Garcia. We knew that that was probably going to be the way it's going to come out. That's the safest. Um, There are a couple of the young guys making a little bit of noise. But I think with the receiver group, you're really going to do – we're going to depend on Phillip Brooks and Keegan Johnson and Garcia kind of be that third one. But I really think they're going to depend on – Ben Sennett from a, as a tight end, but slash receiver as well. Okay. So you got to watch it practice or two or maybe more than that. What is, yep. what's your feeling on the receiver position? I, I've heard a lot about Garcia, about how he's, you know, ready to step up and be the man. But what what's your thoughts on that? My thoughts coming into the season, I was worried. I was a skeptic. Right. Uh, and I thought that was probably one of the, biggest holes that they needed to fill in a position. But I'm telling you, Johnson has the ability to be better than Knowles. And what I mean by that, I think he's a better route runner already. But he can go get the ball at the highest point. He's extremely dynamic. You can tell that he's played a lot of football. The moment is not going to be too big for him. I mean, he didn't play in stadiums at Penn State and all them big-time venues, Ohio State, things of that nature. So he will be the guy. But I think the one that you were were discounting, and he's an old, wily veteran, is Phillip Brooks. Right. I think <laughs> I think I think he's the guy, the old man of the group, that's going to really, really give us a timely when it's third and five, third and four. You need a good Chris route, sure-handed person to get us the first down. I think Howard and Brooks will be the will be the guy for more of explosive plays over the top going deep. Probably look for Garcia and Keegan to try to open up the offense a little bit, but that's the way I think it'll shake out. I don't think we're going to go too deep on the depth chart and the receivers barring injury. Uh, I, I think you're going to really see those guys, maybe a Porter step in there here and there. 
um, for a little bit of a role. But I think once we get into the meat of the schedule, we get through these first few weeks, you'll pretty much see the rotation tighten up. I don't think we'll go too far past those three. All right. Yeah, I didn't mean to discount Brooks. I think I I kind of know what to expect there. I, I thought it was going to be the number one guy going into the season, and right. still, he probably still will be. Uh, I'm just kind of not worried, but, you know, intrigued by the new guys coming in because losing Knowles and Warner, they were solid. No doubt. So, no, 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 no doubt. Warner is the one that I think we, we kind of don't think about. That was another, you know, sure-handed guy. Yeah, that was going to be tough. Make the tough catch, gritty. He out there, he'll block as well. But I think you're going to get some of that um, combination from Brooks, and I think Garcia is really ready to show that he can be a player. You know, he and he can do more than just do interviews on Instagram and YouTube. Right. <laughs> right. So I think that. What about? Um, before we go into the defense, what do you think about um, the punting game this year? I can only go what Climate says or said today, and he feels comfortable with that. To be honest, I'm more worried about the kicker <laughs> yeah. because he started at, you know, he was started last year and ended up getting benched for missing kicks. Correct. Climate said today he's at a good camp feels confident in them, blah, blah, blah. That's what you're supposed to say. But that's what worries me is the kicker more than the punter. Well, I would tell you, for being able to observe practice, they work it. Yeah. And they work situations as well. Not just him just lining up and kicking. They work various different situations, you know, kicking from the 20, kicking from the 40, uh, you know, was third in this, and then we went to these downs. They do situational football and run them on and off the field to get them prepared, kind of like a game-like situation. So it's interesting to see. I'm still worried. That's the only position that I'm worried about is the punter and the kickoff. Now, these guys got to show up. Yeah, I think the leg is there. I just think mentally <laughs> that the kicker needs to be comfortable with mm-hmm. with just making the kicks. I don't think it's the physical ability at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It, it wasn't a leg issue. It, it seemed more like a mental issue. He was missing some short kicks that Very he should have been making. <laughs> so Routine. You're right kicks. about that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah we, and I don't think climbing is a guy that acts to – you know, kickers to make 49, 50-yard field goals. No. You know, I think he gets within a reasonable range. You know, he'll rather go for it on fourth down if it's going to be a 50-yard field goal versus, you know, trying to put a kid in that position. But I think when he gets 40 and below, you should be able to make those kicks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about the defense. Um the one thing that did surprise me, and he's a St. Louis kid, uh, Will Lee at the cornerback position, just came in in January. Looks like he's going to be one of the starting corners to replace um, two great corners that we lose from last year. Jacob Paris, the other corner I'm very comfortable with, 
He's a playmaker. He's probably going to be one of the best before he leaves here at Kansas State, one of the best corners to ever play at Kansas State. That's how good I think he is. Now, you uh, mentioned that last year, too. Yeah. You saw that coming with him. And right. Climate's yeah. already talking him up about how great he is. So Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's And he's more physical now. He's a little bigger. Uh, he, you can see his confidence more. So I think a lot of people, uh, we miss Julius Brents. We miss o- Echo. But I'm telling you, this kid, Jacob Paris, he, he's going to be able to hold his own. Now, Will Lee is long. He's physical. Uh, he's coming from a junior college at Iowa Wesley. Uh, we got to see if the lights are too bright um, yet. But I think he has the mojo and the mentality to be able to hold his own out there. And then there is a few other guys with some depth. But I am comfortable now more with the cornerback position than I was. I was very, very scared coming into this camp yeah. on what we were going to do about cornerbacks. Yeah, me too. I like that Will Lee at 6'3", too. Legitimate 6'3". Yeah. And I looked at him. I didn't think he was that tall until I saw him out of the eye standing mm-hmm. right next to him, and it's legit. All right, cool. Yeah. And yeah, then the safety, the safeties is the other area that that's, was a little bit of concerning. Uh, obviously, we got our stud coming back, and then, you know, you got uh, – Pain, yeah, VJ Pain, and then I think we're going to probably go with the young kid out of uh, North Dakota State, Marquise. Uh, how you pronounce his last name? Is it Siegel? Yes, Siegel. Yes, yeah, and I like him too. He he, he looks, but I, I I don't think he as as physical as Hayes. Maybe I'm a little little bullish because I thought Hayes was a little better, but he they he should be good to go though. All right. What do you think about the secondary? I feel better about it. <laughs> I mean, when you lose a bunch of guys to the NFL or, you know, fringe NFL, you're always a little concerned. But uh, having Savage back there helps put my mind at ease. And you mentioned it, Jacob Harris, how good he's been playing. Puts my mind at ease. And yeah. Will, yeah, Lee, come- Will Lee being that size, you know, we've all – I always thought our corners were too, too short. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I just figured little... we'd have to live with that at K-State. Now, we're getting a little bit more length. I mean, you mentioned yeah. Kobe, and I and I just said our guy was just – now I can't assume everybody know who our star guy is, but Kobe, right. Savage number two, the kid is running around like nothing ever happened to him for injury. And, and if he just – and he needs to continue to play that way. Play reckless, play reckless abandon. He's got a lot of leadership back there. He plays with a lot of enthusiasm. He's the heart and soul of that defense and then Green. But Kobe Savage is the heart and soul of that defense. Yep, absolutely. He's leader back there. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about the secondary as a whole. And I, really, I've Climate's been able to, you know, I, I call it plug and play cornerbacks. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. And so, I wasn't really concerned about it, even though, you know, you're always concerned when you lose the guys of the NFL, you know, those type of caliber players. But he's he's always had a good secondary, even from his first season at K-State. So, Yeah, I think he, him and Klanderman, they work very hard. I mean, Klanderman, Kleiman, and Vance Malone 
all work on that secondary as a as a whole together. You know, Kleinerman has the safety and Vance Malone has the cornerbacks. But Kleinman, the head coach, he spends a lot of time back there in the rooms with both the safeties and the corners as well. So mm-hmm. he, he spends a lot of time with the defense making sure that those guys uh, can, can, like you say, plug and play, get the right guys and fly around in position. I think they're making the defense, I wouldn't call more simpler, but I think guys are learning it. And once they can learn it and just put in a certain amount of plays, they can fly around a little bit more without having to overthink it. Mm-hmm. And that's the key to that defense, particularly back there in the secondary. Because the safeties have to do so much in this three-three-five set that we do. You know, they it's a it's a different role. Sometimes they're a linebacker, sometimes they blitzing, sometimes they're in deep thirds, they're all over the place. Yeah. So what do you think about the well, I guess normally you would call them the front seven, but in our defense they're the front six. That's right. You're <laughs> so. right. Defensive uh-huh. line coming in was one of my concerns, losing um, Felix and those guys up front. But Kleiman seems to think that they're going to be fine there. <laughs> you know, he I, really I, he really I, raved about Khalid Duke and Brendan I, Mott, both. I, I think they're both going to be fine. I would echo this. I think Khalid Duke will have double-digit sacks here. I think he'll be a surprise. He should be one of the – he might get all Big 12 honors this year. He's in his more natural spot. Linebacker was a little awkward for him playing in space. He's a natural pass rusher. So look for him. If he doesn't have double-digit double digit sacks this year, it would be a major disappointment. Him and Mott should be eight-plus sacks for both of them this year. So they should be very disruptive. And Uso, if barring health reasons, if he can stay healthy, he's really slimmed down and he's had the feet and the movement and the strength that can play that nose guard position pretty well in that tackle position in this 3-3-5 defense. He can be special this year. But Mott coming back, if he does what he needs to do, they got some guys coming off the uh, the corners. And look for a couple of those young guys that, that are probably going to pop in there. You're going to see some of the freshmen that can pass rush as well. I think they got some young kids that's going to surprise us here in a little bit uh, that may get some spot duty here in these early games. Yeah, and you mentioned young guys. Another thing about the depth chart that, stuck out at me was sophomores and juniors on it <laughs> and yeah. even some freshmen <laughs> so it's a, it's a young depth chart I, I think what climbing and his staff is really trying to establish is a they need some of those young guys to really help on the special teams and they want to get some depth and get some of these young guys ready and i do think it's a tribute to our last couple of recruiting classes they're better players than yeah. some of the players that we had on the roster before. That just yeah. it's just indicative that they're getting in better players than what they had before. Mm-hmm. And these guys are more mature. They're catching on to the playbook. They're coming in in spring. They're getting engaged, and they're ready to jump in there and compete. 
Yep. Absolutely. So let me just tell you a little bit about my visit with uh, with with K State. I had great opportunity to speak to the team uh, a couple of weeks ago during the last couple of days of their camp. That was very exciting. They let me come in and speak for about 25, 30 minutes. I really talked to them about really dealing with adversity. Uh, talked to them a little bit about my time at K-State, what some of the things we had to deal with as a team, being Bill Snyder's first recruiting class, the culture, how we were structured, things of that nature. But what I noticed, Joe, really from this group that Climate has, I think this is a really, really, really together team. Mm -hmm. They're extremely disciplined. Um, they can probably run a practice and do stuff by themselves without coaches. They can, that's how disciplined and I think these guys are and care. I've never seen a group um, that's together. I know there's competition and everybody has competition, but you can see outwardly that these guys care for one another and they know it's a team game. So I do really mm -hmm. think that's a tribute to what Coach Kleiman has been able to build over the last few years, this culture that he talks about from a team-first atmosphere. And it took some time to get it to this level, um, yeah. but you can definitely see it. Um, that's why when we go through the schedule here in a minute, I'm a little more bullish than even before because I think games, every game in the Big 12 is pretty much going to be close other than a couple of them. And I really think it's going to take that discipline and some strategic coaching and things like that to really get you over the top of those close games. And you got to have a little good fortune as well. But I don't right. think there's nobody in the Big 12 uh, I don't think you're going to be seeing 42 to nothing blowouts in 12 games. I no. don't think you're going to see a whole lot of those. No. And you mentioned the confidence of the players. I can watch those Chris Clement press conferences now, and I can see that he's calmer and more confident than he has been in years past. He sits there and he just the confidence. And, and, I mean, he just won the Big 12. I get that. But I think right. it's something different than that. I think going into this season, he really has that comfort level with what he has built so far, which is what you just mentioned. Like you said, the players could run practice by themselves if they needed to. You know, that's yeah. something he's built over the years. And that gives that gives me confidence going into the season that hey, I think they're gonna have another good season. So we will see, yeah. but now we will see, but I, I, I'm telling you, and you know, we we both bleed purple, so you know we're cheering yeah. for every week, uh, no doubt. But really looking at it objectively, um, with the talent that they have in the room and the discipline that they got and the camaraderie they got, I think they can beat everybody on their schedule. Mm -hmm. now, that's, now, will they do that? That's a whole nother thing. But I don't think there's nobody on their schedule, uh, talent-wise, that's significantly that much better than them. I think Texas probably has the best talent, the best roster in the Big 12. Um, yeah. But I still don't think they have the best coaching in the Big 12. Right. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> you know? how I feel. <laughs> so, 
So they're gonna they're they're gonna lose. Yes, talent wise, they got Alabama talent, uh, but I don't know if they have Alabama coaching, uh, so to speak. But I do think Kansas State has probably some of the best coaching, I think, in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, now their roster is probably is not as not probably as talented as a Texas, but anybody else, I think we can hold a candle to anybody else's roster right now from Texas Tech to Oklahoma, you know, any of the other ones that that's kind of bullish some of the favorites. My roster, I mean, my pick when I I had a vote in the media for the Big 12 media, I picked Texas to win the regular season with Kansas State finished second. But I think Kansas State and Texas will play in the Big 12 championship, and I think we'll beat them. So we're going to go through the schedule. But I got Kansas State going 11-1 and with only loss being in the Austin and then coming back and revenging that loss in the Big 12 championship. All right. Well, let's do a quick preview of the season. Obviously, we got SEMO. Unless the world falls in, we shouldn't have a problem with SEMO. SEMO's a little bit better team than what you think. They did make a playoff, but I think Kansas State should handle that one fairly easy at home. Yeah, and I, the non-conference schedule is tougher than people think. Way tough. It's, it's not easy at all. So, SEMO is a playoff team. They're FCS, of course, but they're, they're a good team. They're um, very good. Yeah, so they have, like, the best running back in that division. Not yep. in all FCS, not just their conference. So, it's going to be a challenge. But like you said, we should be able to pull that one out. Troy is a bowl team, and they're favored to win their conference again. Their, their quarterback's coming back. Uh, Gunnar Watson is their quarterback. They finished 19th in the AP poll at the end of the season last year, so they're a good team. Very and good team. Traveling to Missouri, well, that's not going to be easy. Missouri's got the talent. Yeah. Now, we took care of them last year, but which kind of surprised me, the spread in that game wasn't really close. And so I think K-State will take care of business, but it's not going to be easy by any means, especially on the road. And I have no, a- so you so you look at those first three, when you first see that, you think it's a layup, but that's that's a pretty kind of daunting three games. I mean, SEMO is not daunting. That's how I use the word for SEMO. We're supposed to beat them every day, but they are a good team. Mm-hmm. And Troy is a 12-win team. And Missouri. Hurry, you know they're going to be fighting with venom for us coming over to Columbia. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, so I still got us three and zero, but it's going to be a tough three and zero. Me too. I've got us three and zero, but I don't. Think, I really don't. Semo may be too close, but I think the other two games are going to be close. I, do I really do. But I haven't gone three and zero. So then we come home. We got to stay at CF. Yep. Which, once again, UCF is going to be very bullish. They're the first time in the league. Uh, conference game, they're going to be firing with bullets. They got some great talent. A lot of the Florida kids, Gus Mazan, they throw the ball all around the yard. But I think K-State will win a close one at home. I think so, too. Yeah, I don't have a good feel for how good they're going to be, especially in the Big 12. But they'll be fired up for that first Big 12 game. Yes, they will. So... But, yeah, I've got K-State winning that one. 
And then we go on the road on a Friday night to Oklahoma State, which I it's, hate. This, this is the most, I don't know who scheduled this. It's it's a it's the most auspicious deal. It's always hard to even win at Oklahoma State. I don't care when you play them. But now you go on a Friday night. People are going to be mad because they can't go see the kids play in high school that night yeah. uh, at Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's talent is, is at the lowest that Gundy's had in a long time. But I think he'll have them ready, fired up for K-State because they took a whooping last year. Yeah. But I think we'll win a very close game and sneak out of there. All right, so this is where we disagree first. I think we lose that one. I just don't like the Friday night game on the road. Oklahoma State's fans are going to be fired up. That's never a – you know, Friday night games for the road team are never good. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be tough. So I I haven't gone – losing that one to go to 4-1. and But then the week after that, we go to Texas Tech. And I – Again, I don't have a real good feel for how good Texas Tech is other than the hype. And everyone the thinks they're going to be good. And I think the hype is real. All right. If you look at a lot of their games and you look at how they lost last year. Uh, but I think we got Texas Tech number like Texas has our number. I think we always just find a way to beat Texas Tech. It's going to come down to a one-possession game, even on the road. Uh, I, I'm not afraid of Texas Tech's atmosphere. Kansas State has went into Oklahoma. They went to a couple of different atmospheres. I think we'll beat Texas Tech in a close one. All right. Well, I have us losing that game. I just don't like it being on the road, and I think the teams are evenly matched. Yep. So I'm giving the slight edge there to Texas Tech. Uh, TCU then at home the next week, and that's a rematch Big 12 championship game. I like K-State in this one. TCU like lost a lot. Uh, you know, they lost their quarterback, all their receivers, basically, the running back, Andre Miller, and K-State has enough returning that I think they'll take care of business against TCU. So, I agree. All right, then we got Houston at home, another newbie to the league, and right. People don't really think Houston is going to be much. I don't either. I, I've never really liked their coach, Dana Holgerson. He's mm-hmm. back in the Big 12. Never really been a big fan of his. So I've got K-State winning that one. I think it'll be a little bit, yeah, it's at home. I think it'll be one of those games that'll be close early. But I think we'll just have too many weapons, too many bullets. And if we're coming off a couple of losses that you said, uh, I don't think we'll have no problem with Houston. Yeah. Then we go to Texas, and this is the third loss that I have K-State. And just so you know, I have them going nine and three. So I have them losing to Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. I just think Texas going on the – and Climbing hasn't beaten Texas yet. Texas has the talent, and I, I just think they have more talent than the typical Texas team that – is always overrated and <laughs> overranked going into the season, but I think they're going to be legit this year. Well, to echo what you're saying, Texas is going to be loaded. Uh, I, I think it's going to be hard for us to get that regular season game, but I still think we will be in position to bounce back uh, and get Texas later and still put us in position for potentially a playoff spot. After that Texas game in Austin, 
We have Baylor at home. Not quite sure how good Baylor's going to be, but I have the Wildcats winning that one to go to 7-3 and three on the season. And then after Baylor, we go to Kansas. And until KU beats us, I'm not going to pick them to. And I think Kansas is a bit overrated going into the season. And there's a question about Jalen Daniels and his health. So I think K-State takes care of business against KU. And then we end the season against Iowa State at home. And I think K-State gets the win there to finish at 9-3. and three. So you're 9-3. Nine nine and three. And three. Yep. I'm 11-1. and one. Right. I'm a little. I'm a little bit more bullish. Uh, I think if we split the, if the baby at least be ten and two, we'll both be pretty happy. My final message though, before we go to the team, was that go make history, Joe. Uh, right. Kansas State right. has never won back to back Big Twelve championship. Kansas State has never competed for a national championship. It's time to change and go make history. Go make history, become the first K-State team to win back-to-back Big 12 championships. Sounds good to me. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you'll join us again this season every week as Reggie and I break down the K-State Wildcat football team. Thanks again. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.